This week on the Indo Daily. I asked her to leave me alone. I felt like she was harassing me and she was insistent that, you know, these were just coincidences. Catherine Martin, she is in favour of scrapping the TV licence and giving money to RT direct from the exchequer. Tonish Michael Martin, dead set against it. No way, not happening. Find and follow us at all the usual spots and over on the Irish Independent website. On the latest episode of Real Health with me, Carl Henry, I'm delighted to be joined by international best-selling author Heman Sunim, telling us what to do when things don't go your way. When we are, you know, very young and have a first love and the first love did not work out, we feel as though this is the end of the world. However, we learn that is not the case. We move on. We find some other people. We begin to see that uh, when things don't go your way, uh, maybe it's not the end. As ever, we're available on all podcast platforms. It's 30 years of Alliance supporting the leagues, and we're not done yet. Only the leagues, only the Alliance leagues. Well, the 2022 season is now properly up and running with the National Hurling League getting underway over the weekend. And some interesting results too. All-Ireland champions Limerick, who many thought would romp to another league triumph going down by three points in Wexford Park and only scoring 11 points themselves. So that's one of the interesting talking points we'll be touching on with John Milan a little later in the show. But first, we will have Kieran Whelan on in a couple of minutes to discuss the Alliance Football League, Michael. And it was probably that game in Tralee on Saturday night, which which was the big one, Dublin Kerry. Uh, what did you make of that? Obviously, a very one-sided game for, 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 most, for most of it. Yeah, absolutely horrendous conditions. And uh, I'm sure Kieran is uh, he's probably still drying off after he got absolutely got destroyed the other night. But um it was it was there was a great atmosphere to it and obviously a massive crowd uh, came into Tralee as they always do when, when the dubs come to town. But you know, pardon the pun, it was probably a bit of a damn squib in the second half in the sense that Kerry were in complete control and it's just just so surprising how it looks like at the moment anyway, that the wheels are coming off in Dublin. That remains to be seen and I'm sure they'll um they'll go about their business and try and turn it around. But that's the that's the great intrigue and the speculation, I suppose, over the next while. Are you know, is this great has, has this great Dublin team come to an end? Or will this just be a small little roadblock along the way where we'll be saying in four or five months' time, geez, remember when Dublin went down to Tralee and were awful and all of a sudden they've got silverware in their hands again five or six months' time. Yeah, and just uh, so there's a word on like now that we have the football league back, the Alliance Hurling League is back as well. Like it really just feels like the season is up and running properly with the crowds back as well. The atmosphere you referred to, it's great to be able to come in on the Monday morning and you know reflect on what's kind of been like a normal GA weekend that we would have been used to from all the other years. Yeah, hundred percent. And just to be able to chat to people that were at the various grounds around the country and get what the vibe was like in there. And the guy was in Leopardstown yesterday. There was twelve thousand people there at the races. Like there was the guts of twelve thousand people down in Tralee on Saturday night, and the conditions. Were were horrendous people don't care they just the appetite there for it is huge and uh i suppose it's great to be waking up on the monday morning like just looking seeing there's so many different stories everywhere you look just one story i, d- I do want to to bring up is is nace beating kilmiley the other night in the, the all ireland intermediate club final tom malally was their manager first time obviously a kildare team have won at that level then tom was over Carlo yesterday had to make the long spin up to down and I believe he actually got sent off yesterday um, and they were beaten by a point so a fairly tough weekend for him but there's um, the merger of the leagues and even some the end of the club season and we'll have Bally Gunner and Bally Hale obviously next weekend there's 
probably never going to be a busier time of the year than right now. There's so many games on, and it's just great. It's great. You need eyes in your back of your head to keep an eye on them all, but it's brilliant. Yeah, well, we're going to kick off with football on the Throwing Podcast in association with Allianz. We're delighted to welcome Kieran Whelan back to the show. Kieran, how are you? Good, Will. Not too bad. Not too bad. Yeah, good to have you back. You finally dried off uh, from Saturday night. Did you and Pat Splam flip a coin for the one umbrella? You were very hard done by there. Yeah, well, you know, I, I well, I never took a drenching like it, being honest with you, but I had to give the old man the the, the umbrella, do you know what I mean? You know, <laughs> he, he being an old age pensioner and that, you know what I mean? I wouldn't like to see him out in the rain. So, you know, I, t- I took the hit on Saturday night and I tell you, it was a bloody bad one because I, I I, I'm only drying out now, I reckon, you know what I mean? But anyway, so listen, it could have been worse. could have been in worse places. I think, <laughs> yeah, well, I think you're drenching at, at by from during the halftime period. Kind of summed up, I think, where Dublin were probably at themselves. You know, going into the break, one fourteen to four points down. I think it was the start of Leerwig's game was the last time they had such a large halftime deficit. You know, they rallied a bit in the second half, but it was long uh, over by then. You know, from a Dublin perspective, Kieran, what what's kind of the chief amongst your concerns now after seeing them the last two weekends? Thanks for bringing up the start of the airwigs as well. As well, that's that's, a, that's another dig, Will. You know what I mean, Cheney? Happy Monday morning, Kieran. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Back with a bang, back with a bang. Uh, no, yeah. Listen, it was it was disappointing, Will. It was it was, it was in some ways it was it was a strange type of game. In that you felt to the first quarter, Dublin would have been reasonably happy, even though Kerry had missed a few chances, you know, particularly in the first 10 minutes, and you were thinking, yeah, it's kind of six four and. You know, it definitely was a six, seven point wind. You know what I mean? There's no doubt about it. And uh, then the fortuitous goal, the wrong black card. And then the game just slipped away from them very, very quickly. Um, and the, I suppose looking at it from a couple of perspectives, the disappointing thing within that period was that I think Dublin in previous days would have really slowed the game down. Um, they would have... Uh, realised they were under the cosh for 14 men. It was a win. They would have made it difficult, maybe carry defensively. Uh, one of the, and, and, and I'm talking probably not just even that period, probably the whole game in that, you know, going into the game on Saturday night, you're you're coming down and you're thinking, you're looking at what Reno O'Neill done to them in Crow Park in terms of defensively when they let, gave them that space uh, last Saturday week. And you're coming up against Kerry, probably the best forward line uh, in the country, uh, pound for pound, where you have Sean O'Shea, you have Ganey inside, you have Clifford, you have Paddy Clifford pulling the strings, and then you have the likes of Darren Mine, Mine and it was much more direct. And you're coming into that game, and it, there's a gale force wind, and it's lashing rain, and you're thinking, you know, Dublin are depleted, uh, a lot of injuries, a lot of guys not there, carry off full strength. And you're kind of looking, you know, to say, well, you know, wet night, will Dublin just make this difficult? And you're looking for some sort of structure and particularly some sort of structure in defence because Kerry are the type of team that thrive on space, you know, and even go back to last year's All-Ireland final, uh, you know, where Tyrone made it very difficult for them and they walked Kerry in, or semi-final, where they walked Kerry into the traps. Um, they used the sideline when Kerry came into the scoring zone, they closed down the space and you kind of were looking for Dublin to have some sort of defensive structure. Um, and that just wasn't there for the second week in a row. And that, to me, is probably the most disappointing thing. Yes, there's 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 issues even going forward. And there was, you know, we saw as the game went on, there was maybe discipline issues and aimless kicking and stuff like that. But you re- I really thought Dublin would have been set up with a little bit more structure defensively going into the game. And then particularly in that, that 15 minutes, period where uh, Kerry just ate them. There was no effort to kind of stem the flow, the tide of that period and it just meant Kerry could control the game and even Kerry came out in the second half 
you know, even when Jack Barry had the black card and, and you know, they're down a man, you know, yes, they were in control of the game. They were 13 points up, but, you know, Tygmore already sat in front of the, of, of the Dub- Dublin inside line. Dublin were, didn't look like creating a goal opportunity in that second half. Uh, so, yeah, that was most, it's disappointing in terms of, yes, we're very, very, Dublin are very depleted, uh, but just lacking that bit of structure and, 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 and tactical setup that would have been there in the past. Yeah, Michael, like, what's your view on, on that period when the game turned in the second quarter? Because as Kieran said, you know, at six points to four, Dublin had manufactured a couple of good goal chances. You know, even the Lorcan O'Dell hand pass to Dean Rock, that was one in the past. They probably would have finished it off. So, you know, they were in a pretty good place considering the conditions. But then the one eight to no score period, you know, was just an obliteration. Well, like, what, what, what did you make of that kind of time of the game? Yeah, kind of just similar to what Kieran says there. They were in the game. You're looking at going in. Go in five or six down, you have a great chance of kicking a couple of early scores in the second half, keeping yourself in the game. The the game just completely went away from them in that time. Like with the best will in the world, even if it turned into an absolute gale blowing in their favour in the second half, they were always going to struggle to to bridge a kind of a 13-point gap. And as Kieran said there, just something that you wouldn't have seen for the guts of was this wasn't since Donegal beat them. There would always be someone just minding that area around the D, just cut not even necessarily been on the ball a lot, but just been there, cutting off an angled kick, cutting off a ball coming in. Um, and you know, like, you know what David Clifford's going to do if he gets any type of space. I'm just surprised that Dublin didn't uh, pack their defence a bit more, make Kerry shoot from 45 yards, make them do what, uh, what, what, uh, what Kerry made Dublin do in the second half. Dublin didn't look particularly comfortable shooting from some of the areas that they had to shoot from. There were lower percentage shots. Uh, Sean Bugler took on one in the second half that just stands out in my mind. It was a lower percentage shot well outside the D, about 40 yards out. Whereas Dublin nearly, not that they allowed Kerry, but they definitely allowed Kerry to take on shots and take on scoring chances from areas that they would fancy themselves uh, scoring from. So I just thought that was strange. And um, we always talked about under Jim Gavin the game smarts you know really been been really uh, smart in possession particularly if they're playing against the breeze uh, playing down the clock a small bit even the, the Larkin Odell chances he mentioned there like he didn't even give Dean Rock a chance to do the volleyball finish you know it was that far away from him just some very very strange things there it was uh, Brian Howard had a free in the first half at one stage and they were trying to force things to happen. He lobbed the ball into like an ambulance area, you'd call it nearly. And uh, the exact same thing happened in the second half with Brian Fenton lobbing in a free there. It just, it was over a lad's head. It was a really low percentage play. And I think that's probably the most surprising thing that, you know, what we would have characterized, you know, that great Dublin team as, you know, being so efficient in possession, so efficient in front of the goal, so efficient in the shots that they were taking. That just seemed to be absent last Saturday night and it was absent the Saturday night before that as well, which is just really surprising. And I don't know if that points at something a little deeper than than just, you know, a systems failure. Well, I, I, it's hard to know. It's hard to believe that it's a very happy camp at the moment, just with the, the amount of really, really uh, un-Dublin-like things that are happening during games. And it's going to be fascinating now to see over the next couple of weeks whether they can turn it around or not. But, you know, that was poor the other night. There's no point in saying any different. But even on that, Michael, like one of, one, one of the aspects, and I know Dublin over the last couple of years would always, if, if there's someone out of the play, they'd be dropping into that pocket and stuff like that. And they didn't, in previous years, Keno Sullivan probably played a more defined sweeper role or Johnny Rowe, Johnny Cooper, where they have somebody back there full-time. But we've seen different people. It kind of evolved over a period of time. But even when, like, 
the opposition are having set plays now. You know, you look at la, la, the the one one couple of the Armagh scores last week came from Armagh's having free kicks where the game is being slowed down, where there's an opportunity to close down that space. The other example the other night was the sideline ball. Now, it was marginal which way it went. That doesn't really matter, I suppose, in the overall context. What really matters is that ball was popped into space where normally where there's a set play where you have that three, four seconds, you would have somebody in that pocket, cutting off that kick, cutting down that option and forcing Kerry to, to, to take a shorter option. And if you're playing Kerry, that's what you want to do. You don't want to give them space. You don't want to give them time. You want to slow down their momentum because they're brilliant kick passers. And to their credit, you know, in the conditions the other night, their ball handling and their first touch was top drawer, I have to say. It really was because it, it, it stuck and their interchange play in the forward line w- w- was brilliant. And Dublin, as I said, just done nothing to, to stem that flow. Just on that, Kieran, as well, I was blown away by the fact that even on the Dublin kickouts in the first half, when you really do want to do everything you can to hold on to possession, even on a long kickout, that they seem to be outnumbered even on a breaking ball off the conference yeah. kickout, which I was just really surprised by. They had a fair idea where the ball was going, and there was maybe you know six Kerry to four Dublin. And if Kerry get their hands on the ball, then you know with the breeze in particular, I was just surprised that they weren't even flooding that kind of breaking ball area there. But there was just a lot of very kind of strange happenings the other night. Yeah, Kieran. And what did you make of Michael's point about the, the men of undublin like kind of part of the play? You know, the some of the, the aimless kicking you referred to, some of the poor choices on freeze, the kind of lack of that composure that was the hallmark of the Jim Gavin era. Like, do you think that walked out the door a little bit when, when Jim Gavin left too? You know, what what do you make of that specific element of it? I think, you know, we've the last two weeks we've seen Dublin play kind of chasing a game where they're so used to controlling a game, and they've had to chase down a game, and it's led to kind of a lot of panic type football, which you know people are kind of saying well it's on Dublin like I think you also have to put into maybe context maybe the team selection and 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 the amount of guys that were kind of maybe missing the other night you know what I mean I think you have to take that in the context you know James McCarthy obviously out Con O'Callaghan out Mick Fitzsimons not there just Johnny Cooper had him in there in the defense he probably would have had the smarts to maybe pull guys into various positions and 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 and, and close down options, you know. Merchant wasn't there. Carmen Costler wasn't there. Uh, so like there was significant. They were they were very very depleted. And I think well when you when when you bring in new players and and like after last year, Desi 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 Farrell has to find new players. He has to. We need that depth. He has to find three or four players that he that he that he wants to trust. Uh, and. Whether they're actually there or not is still still a questionable. There's no one really putting their hand up to say, yeah, I'm ready to come into this team and, and nail down a place. Maybe Lee Gannon has been probably the only one that's come in. There's, bit, there's something a bit about him. But uh, again, he was left kind of badly exposed at times with David Bourne. So I think you have to, you have to consider the team uh, that's on the field. But, you know, as I said from the outset, there is... There is there is some kind of traits in terms of maybe that lack of structure, that bit of panic, like the wild tackling, particularly in the last 10, 15 minutes, kind of indiscipline tackling, the body language, like a lot of a lot of things kind of, you know, indicating that they're 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 finding this period tough. Um, and as I said on, on on Sunday night or Saturday night, that you know, a lot of the leaders within that group have never had to deal with defeat. You know, most of them are practically unbeaten when it comes to championship football. Uh, so this is a challenging, challenging time for them. Um, and they have to, I suppose, find that hunger and desire in there to get back to the top and bring those young players with them. So it's it, because they've had so, so much success. It's, it's, it's a different, different challenge for this group now. So um, you're, you're hoping that they can get a two-week break now, 
get a few players back and certainly in the next couple of games you'd, you'd be looking to see is there that aspect of structure there is the decision making better is the movement better um because it, it can't continue in the vein i suppose the last two weeks and next up i think is mayo and croke park under lights on a, yeah, on a Saturday a night. <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah you know and mayo listen you know mayo will be smelling blood no doubt about it and you know credit where credit is due to mayo I, you know i watched them last week in their first half they were really really poor and you were kind of going well, what sort of Mayo is going to come into this league? But they were very, very good in the second half when they orchestrated that high press. They dug out a massive victory yesterday. Um, and, you know, okay, granted, they've had injuries, you know, with Almond Lock and Tommy Connery. They've had a lot of setbacks, which is which is, which is, is bad luck for them. But they're going to arrive in Crow Park in two weeks' time and 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 really aggressively go after Dublin because Hor- Horan will definitely have targeted that game to make a statement, you know. Yeah, Michael, as Kieran mentioned, it's a great opportunity for Mayo to really, after beating them for the first time in the championship in a long time last summer, to kind of reinforce that maybe new power shift in their relationship by going to Crow Park and really hitting Dublin when they're down. Yeah, no, definitely. And as Kieran said there, it was a bad first half against Donegal. They bounced back, got a result, got a good result yesterday, especially with, with Owen McLaughlin going off. But that his injury is another is another worry with Tommy Conroy out for the year, having suffered a cruciate during the week as well. And you know, Owen McLaughlin have been flying for UL and the Sigerson too, so he's out for the foreseeable now as well, which is going to be a big loss. Hopefully, Killian O'Connor will be back over the over the coming weeks, but they'll definitely will sense blood like um like Dublin have uh, orchestrated so much pain on Mayo. Uh, for you know the goods of the last decade, and they will sense an opportunity. Like, I, when was the last time you know in the last God knows how long that Mayo would have beaten Dublin in back to back games, league and championship? I I can't I can't imagine when that would have been. Possibly maybe around 2012. So they will definitely sense blood. Just to quickly moving back, I think it's probably right on the the Dublin Kerry result that the focus is probably more on Dublin and and less on Kerry because as Kieran said there. Uh, when Kerry were good, they were they were good the other night. But that's essentially, you know, their championship fifteen. Give give or take, you know, one or two guys coming back, and maybe Stefan Ockenbar and a couple of others coming back in. Let's give or take their their championship team coming up against, you know, a Dublin team probably eight to nine maybe championship starters and missing, you know, a couple of their real kind of leaders all over the pitch. So you have to like Kerry were good, particularly in that second quarter. Kerry kicked the point in the second half. You know, fair enough against a gale force breeze, but they, they kicked the point. I think Paul Gini had a goal chance probably around the 55th minute and they hardly create a scoring chance thereafter. So when they were good, they were good, but they still have plenty of worries as well. I think from their point of view, they would be happy that defensively, at least they didn't give Dublin, you know, a load of scoring chances to get back in the game. Dublin never really looked like bridging that gap and Mayo, Kerry didn't offer them the opportunities, which is encouraging for them. But they have plenty of their own kind of issues to iron out over the next while as well. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how they go over the next couple of weeks as well. You know, Karen, one of the other big results of the weekend, Armagh, 2-14, Tyrone, 14, I suppose, overshadowed a bit by the kind of the mad scenes. and Overshadowed completely. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> a bit, maybe, yeah. It's pretty generous. Four red cards to Tyrone to some key men, Patrick Hamsey, McGeary, Peter Hart among them. You know, looking at the video kind of of, of the action, it didn't, necessarily jump out to be four or five red cards like by that letter of the law Mead Mayo 96 would have probably had you know 30 red cards you know would, would, would have, would have been, they would have been in prison at Mead Mayo 96 <laughs> I'd say you know what I mean <laughs> compared to that yesterday um, yeah, but yeah. what did you, what did you make of that? Like, do you expect there could be some? Uh, there'll definitely be some appeals. I think both managers were saying that afterwards. Yeah, I, listen, I I think it surprised everybody. You know, 
I think no, nobody saw it coming, being honest with you. Um, you know, yeah, listen, it was an incident. There was a lot of pushing and shoving and dragging people to the ground. But I, I, I think, obviously, David Goff is, and, 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 and he's probably, he's set down a marker for the year. Um, and, and, and I'm sure the GA are probably delighted this morning. He's, he stood back and he's obviously identified, you know, obviously contributing to Malay, but it certainly seems to the guys that, you know, have used this kind of uh, choke, tackle or whatever, you know, a, a headlock and pulling guys to the ground, uh, which which can be quite dangerous. But um, he, you know, he obviously, as he said, he stood back, he identified them. And I think traditionally, you know, in situations like that, most lads know uh, when you get involved in something like that, if you raise your hand or you strike, you know you're going to be gone. Uh, and you see a lot of pushing and shoving and, dragging and you know stuff in loads of games but obviously David Goff has identified this as a step too far in, in, in that it's a dangerous situation to pull somebody to the ground the headlock or you or somebody doesn't see it coming from behind or whatever and that's obviously where he's identified the red card offences so it, it definitely lays down a marker for the year and going forward would other referees have implemented the same decision Possibly not. I don't, I wouldn't, wouldn't have thought so. So, you know, again, it comes back to that consistency, you know, it, you know, if that was to happen again, will we get the same outcomes? You know what I mean? So, and the other question is, if it happened in the first 10 minutes, would we've seen four red cards or if that happened in an all in semi-final, you know, or, or venture final, you know, that sort of way. So I think from a refereeing perspective, it always comes back to consistency. Technically he was within the, with his, within his rights to issue those black card or red cards. And he's laid down a strong marker to any teams out there to say, listen, lads, if you want to get involved in that silly stuff and start pulling lads and dragging lads to the ground, you run the risk of being on the sideline. So, yeah, it, listen, it, it shocked everybody, I think, you know. Just on that, Will, I wasn't aware of any edict, just from even chatting a couple of referees, any edict that had been passed down to be really put honing in on this area player, trying to cut down on it. So it does look like David Goff has set a bit of a precedent, but it's only a precedent if the appeals process are kind of brushed Holds aside up. like yeah. you know like if if the if the four Tyrone lads win their appeals and you know Armagh win their appeal as well like it's you know it's totally redundant again so it's going to be interesting to see what happens there and obviously I think um I think Kieran McGinney said that there's going to be a lot of solicitors busy over the next while and obviously Fergal Logan is going to be particularly busy over the next while so it's going to be really interesting to see uh kind of what happens next from a Tyrone point of view they're you know beaten in their first two games that could potentially be down four players, including their captain and the footballer of the year, and you know Peter Hart and Michael McKernan as well. So um, I'm sure they will go. They will go gung ho to try and get them back. But it, that will have an effect if they do. If they are overturned, that will have a massive effect on whether this kind of play is going to be, uh, you know, that dangerous play is going to be implemented by referees for the rest of the year. It's inter- It will be interesting to see because even even when you look at the video that we saw last night. It's very hard, even watching us, to identify who does what, when they do it, and what happens. And, you know, the charges that are going to be brought forward to these guys is, you know, bringing the game into distribution, contributing to melee between whatever minute and another minute. And it's up then to the GA to demonstrate and show uh, that person bringing the game into distribution. Because, listen, I've been there at the Battle of Oma. I know, I know exactly the process. They're going to go through. Uh, so, yeah, it's going to be that the, the, no stone will be left unturned. I think Fergal Logan came straight out and said, uh, you know, we're going to appeal this um, and they'll do everything 
to get off. And, and as Michael said, that that's going to be the key going forward. If, if, if this, if this decision stands and, and suspensions are accepted, then we will certainly send out a strong message to everyone going, we run the risk of, uh, of getting that red card. Yeah, Kieran, from an Ironman perspective, like, as I said, it, it does overshadow, like, second week in a row, they put up a decent score, 215 against Dublin, 214 against Tyrone, two very impressive victories. Like, how impressed have you been with how they started the year? Yeah, really impressed, Will, being honest with you. Um, you know, they, they've obviously, they've a fair bit of work done, but I think they've taken huge learnings from the Monaghan game last year, where, where, where they were very, very open, and they have put a very solid defensive structure in. They're very well conditioned and fit for this time of year. Uh, they're putting a lot of energy into it. Kieran McGinney said himself, he's well aware it's only February, but they look very, very organised and very, very comfortable in what they're trying to do. And we saw against Dublin last week, their counter-attacking game was very good. Slightly different yesterday. They had to hold on to it, but they still moved the ball very, very quickly and put themselves in a great position to win the game. May have failed a little bit more in the second half, which which really got Tyrone back into it. But they will be extremely happy. Like I sat, I sat in Crow Park last, last week, a good few Armagh people around me, and I heard them saying, you know, this is the best performance they'd ever seen from Armagh. So they're they're in a good stead, uh, you know, in the McGinney regime. From a Tyrone perspective, you know, I, I was in holidays over, over Christmas and I bumped into one or two of them on their team holiday. And, you know, Tyrone certainly enjoyed their period of celebration last year they're probably six weeks seven weeks behind other teams maybe in terms of their preparation uh for this year so you know they're going to get better uh they were way off in the first half yesterday but you know they'll still do enough to hang on and you know tyrone's focus is definitely on the summer so i i i i, I would be really wouldn't be reading in too much to, to the tyrone performance at this time of the year at this point yet and the final game in Division One, Michael Donegal, you know, pretty straightforward victory over Kildare. Injury concern to Michael Murphy, and we know last year how that ended up derailing them, probably in, in some ways as the season went on. You know, but what what did you make of that game? Well, I'd definitely imagine Declan Bonner would be erring on the side of caution, hugely erring on the side of caution with Michael Murphy, and he won't be coming back into the fray until he's back 100% fit. But the fact that he went off that he went off pretty early in the game and that they were still able to find a way to win a game comfortably enough. And someone who we talked about last week who maybe, you know, he's been around a long time, but maybe hasn't maybe hit the heights in recent seasons that we maybe would have thought is, is Paddy McBrearty. And he was, he was key for them yesterday. And it's, I think it's psychologically, it's, it's a big boost for them to win a game like that with Murphy gone off the field nice and early because the narrative would be that they struggle in games without him, that he's the spiritual leader anywhere between, you know, eight and 14 on the team. And he just drifts around there and kind of orchestrates things. So I think it's important for them to get a result there, uh, particularly because Jimmy Highland, you know, bagged a goal nearly straight after he went off injured. So you're thinking maybe the tide, tide could turn in Kildare's favour here. So I think it's important for them to, to win in adversity there, especially after, you know, blowing a, blowing a lead like they did the first week against Mayo. Yeah, I'll give you the last word in Division 1 then, Kieran. Like, you know, what, what's your take on Donegal at the moment? You, you mentioned the Mayo game earlier and how poor Mayo were in the first half. But Donegal in the second half then completely faded. And we've seen that happen to them a couple of times under Declan Bonner, getting their first victory of the campaign now. You know, where do you put them in, in the kind of rankings? Yeah, it's a tough one, Well, being honest with you. Uh, I, I, I've always thought, the last two or three years, I, I, I would have been... 
highly complimentary of them and I, and I thought they had excellent footballers and their range of scores, their ability to take scores from distance, their interchange play. They probably become very much an attacking unit and I thought they were, they were pretty poor defensively, which, which, which was a question mark. But I think the challenge for them at the moment now is more psychological that they weren't, you know, last week when Mayo pushed up on them and squeezed them um, made them look very, very average. And I think the key for me is if you're playing against Donegal, you can't give them that possession around the middle because they will make hay with it. You know what I mean? So um, I think, you know, there's no doubt about it. Declan Bonner is, is, is under a bit of pressure to deliver something up there. And yesterday's victory against Kildare would be, you know, is a good boost for them. Um, you know, they've got three, three points now out of, out of four. They'd be very, very happy with the start of the league. Uh, so it's going to be interesting to see when they when they come with a few bigger tests later in the year. Uh, so I, I'd be reserving judgment on them just yet because in previous years, I thought they were in a really good place and, and they blew up. So um, it, it, that work still work in progress, I think. Great stuff, Kieran. Thanks so much for joining us. No problem, lads. And just before we welcome John Milan onto the throne to discuss the Alliance hurling league kickoff over the weekend, Michael, we might just quickly spin through some of the uh, the lower division, some interesting results. You know, Division Two, Mead, you know, compounding last weekend's disappointing defeat to Galway with another poor outing against Roscommon. Andy McEntee sent to the stands at the end as well. You know, they haven't made a good start to the year, have they? No, definitely not. Um, and his son James was sent off, I think, but just before that, and then he ended up getting sent to the stands as well. Uh, not particularly good. I think it was the 47th minute before they kicked a point from play in that game, which is, which is not good. And it's, you know, pointing back to the week before against Gallo, it was 45 minutes before they even got a score on the clock. So, um, yeah, definitely, definitely a, bit, a bit worrying for Mead, especially with the, I suppose, just the mood, mood music in, in Mead over the winter as well. Like they, like they have to be really, really careful here. You're teetering on the, the Park Talton or the Talton Games category here. If you're, you know... Two or three, two or two more bad results, and they're in trouble. And it could be uh, they might leave themselves too much of a mountain to climb. Yeah, as Dunica Boyle I think said something today, you know, in his piece about the match, you know, you could have the uh, Talton Cup on and Park Talton if if Mead aren't uh, careful for later in the year. Uh, you know, other results in Division Two: like Galway and Derry continuing their one hundred percent start along with Ross Common. Already, the three of those teams look to be pulling away from the rest. Yeah, good result from Roscommon, especially uh, missing a uh, big contingent from Pierce's and, and St. Fallox as well there. So that's a, a big result for them. Clare and Cork was a, a decent game on, on Saturday evening as well. And Cork were probably lucky to come away with a point. And I'd say they'd be happy to. Um, Clare are still there with, with three points from two games as well, as consistent as ever. Uh, kind of feared, feared for Offaly in Division 2 this year. And it kind of looks like that's, that's going to materialise. Derry really had them at, at arm's length uh, the other night. And then just even going down to Division 3, I know we talk about the Limerick Curlers the whole time, and we'll definitely be talking about them a bit more with, with John, but Billy Lee has really turned around uh, the Limerick footballers. You know, Two wins from two, good win against Antrim the other night, kind of a couple of goals early kind of paved the way. But they're, they're looking like they're going to stay in Division 3 and they potentially could push for Division 2. And that's from, you know been a mid-table Division 4 side for a couple of couple of years uh, at the start of Billy's reign and he's really, really turned things around. And funnily enough, uh, Paul Canark, who's obviously coached with the Hurlers, he's basically running their football academy, their underage academy, the fruits of which we're going to start seeing over the next couple of years. And I've always said maybe there's a chance that he'll end up at, uh, at inter- in inter-county football and I wouldn't be a bit surprised if he did. And that's a, a fascinating prospect, but they're definitely leaving themselves in a really good position um, whenever over the next couple of years. The other result, that two results that stood out in Division 4 as well, Sligo absolutely routed Carlo. I haven't um, 
the last I can't remember the last time we saw 28 points kicked in a football game 28 points to 5 um, really really worrying from a Carlo point of view we only had one score Colin Holton was their only scorer and the other result was London making it back to back wins in Division 4 having not played competitive football for about 23 months to win their first two games is huge and even um uh, Waterford even backed up their result against Tipperary the first week by only be- they were only beating a point in Rystep yesterday and then even in Division 4 as well the, probably the biggest upset of the weekend was Leitrim beating Tipperary by 8 points you know Tipperary who won Munster in Tipperary as well yeah Tipperary who won Munster in November of 2020 we're looking at what 16 months later Michael Quinlevin is gone and a few more elder statesmen are gone and they're struggling and for Andy Moran that's, that's a huge win first competitive win I think a massive win for him well, it's time to turn our attention to Hurling on the Throwing Podcast in association with Allianz. We'd like to have John Milan with us as always. John, how are you? How are you going? Will, not too bad. Yeah, good, thanks. An interesting opening weekend in the Allianz Leagues. I guess we're going to have to start with Wexford Park. You know, Limerick going down 111 to 11 to Wexford. I don't think anyone really pr- predicted that. Dara Egan getting his yeah, league campaign off to a very good start with Wexford. What did you make of that game? Like such a low score even from Limerick to, to churn out given the, the quality of players they have. I know they were missing some key guys, but they still had a very strong team. Yeah, they did. And look, I suppose, uh, you know, massive, massive kudos to, to, to Wexford and how they responded after that defeat to uh, to Dublin. I was sitting at home on the mm-hmm. couch and I was really looking forward to see, seeing how they'd react after that Dublin defeat. And, you know, you got to give them great credit the way the way they responded. Uh, I thought thought they were excellent. They really manned up to uh, to Limerick, took them on in all areas. And as we've seen in the past, you know, Wexford Park it's it's a difficult venue to go to and pick up a result. Uh, and to hold Limerick, the All Ireland champions, to eleven points um, was incredible. And uh, you know, it was a great day's work for for for, for Wexford. Yeah, Michael, it's one of the kind of takeaways or, or talking points in the game that maybe some of the Limerick forwards who were given an opportunity, you know, I think Pat Ryan, David Reedy, Cahill O'Neill, didn't really fire, you know, and, and maybe put some pressure for later on in the year where they might get to feature a little more. Yeah, I think that's definitely one of the most interesting aspects. I suppose with, you know, a team that's dominating there, you nearly, you know, even build up the reserves maybe to be a bit better than they are. Uh, like, Say, say Pat Ryan and a couple of these lads, they're generally coming into a game when it's opened up in the 60th minute or the 65th minute. There's more space. Um, other teams are probably, you know, physically and emotionally and mentally nearly beaten when they're coming into the get into a game. Whereas they, you know, a lot of new faces were starting yesterday. You'd probably say that there wasn't too many that stood up uh, and took their chance. And I definitely think it gave the chase and pack an awful lot of hope that, okay, they're a, re- they're a brilliant side, the best side that's out there at the moment, but they're far... From invincible and these guys that are coming in you know maybe when they get their chance they're maybe not as good as maybe as we build them up to be in our heads that's just coming from an opposition point of view and from a spectator point of view but just even like the 11 points i i, I was in i was in leopard sound yesterday following the race and i was just following this game and like literally like refreshing twitter or refreshing tg car to make sure that the score was actually right like limerick typically typically create about 25 or 26 scoring chances per half for them to only score 11 points. I think Eamon Sweeney had it today uh, when Tipperary beat them 224 to eight points in March of 2010. That's the last time they scored anything as, as, as small as what they did yesterday. And that was just um, very, very surprising. And particularly, it looked like Limerick were going to kick on when they went 11-9 up. Uh, Garod Hegarty got, got a good score. And then all of a sudden, um, Mikey Dwyer 
steps and all. Just John, I don't know how many steps you used to get away with a fair few steps back in the day, but I don't know if you ever got away with 15. But uh, it was kind of half been fouled, so the referee kind of gives you a bit of grace. But that goal just turned the game on its head. And then Conor McDonald just an outrageous catch down down around his midriff and over the shoulder point. And uh, like, I don't think anybody really saw this coming. Wexford are down, you know, Lee Chin at the moment, down Sean Murphy, down a couple of other uh, experienced players, Kevin Foley as well. And for them to produce that result, it's huge. And it's, uh, it's kind of reminiscent of, of Davies' first couple of games as Wexford boss in 2017. They got a couple of big league results. Beating Limerick was one of them, actually, during John Kiley's first year. And that's a huge, huge feather in the cap of Darry Egan. Yeah, and look, for, for me, I think... I think... Yes, it, to be to be fair to Wexford, you know, just before that goal came, they had a they had a, a period of, of dominance. And I was gonna say to myself, are they gonna rule those those missed opportunities? But no, thankfully they didn't. They kicked on and they got their just they got their just rewards. And uh, you know, the worrying thing for Kylie, as as Bernie touched on it there, is uh, you know, Peter Casey's gonna be missing, you know, there wasn't a whole lot of lads, you know, put their hand up yesterday to say, you know what, uh I want to be in that in that Limerick Limerick team, and I think I think we all know that Limerick won the fifteen are the best team, but I think there is a small bit of question mark. Look, it's early doors. It's the first game in in, in first game of the league. We're in the month of of February, but I think possibly we maybe we we read a small bit too much into the the Clare results, and uh, I think you know I think you know the, the worrying thing for Limerick is that you know if Peter Casey's out, you know. Where are the other lads that are going to, going to put, put their hand up and say, you know what, I want to be in your team? Mm. Well, it's certainly the result makes for a more interesting discussion than if Limerick had maybe come out in the first game and, you know, blown Wexford away. But looking at one of the other games, big games of the weekend, John, I know you're very interested to see how Dublin would go in the league, your own county, Waterford, where their opponents in Parnell Park. A very tight game, I think, as Vincent Hogan said, there was more cards than a Las Vegas poker tournament. I think 12 yellows, two blacks and two reds, you know, kind of summed up it was a, it was a, it was a fairly physical game. What did you make of it? Again, uh, you know, it was a game where you're, you're lying on the couch and you're saying, God, I, uh, you know, it's, it's a great place to be in the couch. And, you know, it's, it, it was typical, you know, February game. Look, Parallel Park, it's a tight, confined field, you know, and, you know, some of these, some of these players now, they're, you know, they're, they're ferocious, they're, they're species, they're, they're just... Busting out of the jerseys, and I think, you know, we're 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 so accustomed now to so so many rocks, and you know, there was an awful lot of stop start. And look, to be fair to the referee, it, this time of year it's it, it's a difficult uh, match to to referee. You know, that that was the same down, down in Wexford Park. Uh, and look, I think from a manager's point of view, Bolin Cattle and Maddie Kenny, I think they'll be delighted that they, they came out of that game yesterday with a draw. Uh, I thought Owen O'Donnell. I mean, will verily if there was a transfer, if there was a transfer market, if you gave me a pot of gold in the morning, and he said, "Well, one player you can sign," I, I, and I'm I'm, just, I'm running out of superlatives to talk with this lad. I'd pick Owen O'Donnell. I thought he was just meant yesterday. Uh, I thought Prunty Prunty was very good, and again, I think both these sides. I think you know, if any teams want to possibly push on and win the league. I think, you know, Lean Cattle has stated that he's eager to get to a semi-final and, and likewise, Maddie Kenny. I think both these sides, both these teams will, will go after the league. Uh, and I, I think I won't be, won't be surprised if, if Waterford push on and win their next four games, top the group. 
And I don't see too many teams, you know, in the remainder of the games getting it all too easy against against Dublin either. I think the Dubs, I think the Dubs, I'm I'm going to be consistent on this. I think they're going to have a, I think they're going to have a big year. Question I'd like to ha- ask Fernie is, you know, the lads were touching on the last night on the league Sunday. You know, is Maddie Kenny going to be under pressure? I thought it was a bit harsh. You know, I think he's doing a reasonably good job. And I think, you know, what would be considered a good year for, for Dublin? Like, you know, would it be getting to an All-Ireland semi-final? You know, would it be getting to a Leinster final? Is, is there the realism there now that they have to push on and, and win a Leinster title? So what would be the, the, the realistic target for, for uh, Dublin this year, Bernie? Yeah, I don't see Matty being under that much pressure, to be honest with you, because I think he kind of uh, started the rebuilding process. And if you look at last year, you know, did a big win against Galway in the championship, obviously. Could have well have won a Leinster title had they not been hit by COVID on the, on the, eve, of the, on the eve of the final. Were decent against Cork. I think they've a better squad again this year. Uh, in Donald Burke and Ronan Hayes, they have two real kind of marquee forwards that you can kind of pitch your tent up with going into a championship game. You know these guys are going to put in kind of big scores. I think... I think probably winning a Leinster, John, and getting to an All-Ireland semi-final is probably... Potentially, you know, getting to a league semi-final slash final, winning Leinster, getting to an All-Ireland semi-final. I think that's that's probably where they'll be aiming for this year. Like, look at, if you look at, like, Henry's coming in in Galway and there's lots of optimism around him. They've had the, the strong hand over Galway the last couple of years. Kilkenny are going to be Kilkenny, but they're not going to blow you away. And Dublin have been very competitive with them. So I think silverware, and I think if the, I think probably getting their hands in the Bob O'Keefe again will be definitely suffice for Matty. But I don't, I don't see him being under massive pressure, to be honest with you, because I do think if you look at it logically, you think he's, he, he started here and all of a sudden he's got to here and they're still climbing and the trajectory is still on the up. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how they develop over the course of the season. And for Waterford, John, I suppose you have to be happy when you have the Bally Gunner contingent still to come back. You know, key guys like Jamie Barron still to come back and still to get a result like that and to kind of show that fighting spirit. Yeah, 100%. And look, I, I think, you know, you look at the panel depth, you know, we've touched on it there. I think Limerick, you know, Limerick have the best 14, 15 players. We all know that. But when it comes to panel depth, you know, maybe maybe Limerick don't have the best panel. You know, and I think maybe possibly Cork, most certainly Waterford. I mean, the strength of their, their panel. You know, I mean, the, ch- the changes that they made yesterday. And I think Liam Cattle, he can go and attack this league uh, and he can find out a bit more bit more about his panel. And I think that's 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 what he will do for, for the remainder of, of the games uh, with a view to winning all the games. But he can really, really test his panel and see can he honour a couple of, couple, of, couple of new players. I thought Cartrock Daly went toe-to-toe with, with Chris Crummy. I was delighted with his performance. Tom Barron really showed up well. He's really starting to come of age. Uh, good to see DJ Foreign back. So, you know, when you go through all these names, you know, when you think of it, like there's no the Burke, there's no Shane McDonaldy, there's no Daryl Lyons, uh, you know, none of the, the Bally Gunner players. Uh, I think it's, 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 it's good times for Waterford. It's a good time to be Waterford manager. And uh, I think that, you know, there's, there's exciting times ahead. And I think uh, there's, there's, no, there's no reason why they can't push on in this league and, and really go for this league and try and win. John, just a quick one on Jack Fagan. Jack Fagan was winged back yesterday. Is that something you see happening or staying kind of that way long term? And what do you think the idea of it is? I don't. I don't. You know, I think possibly yesterday it was probably a view to possibly playing him, playing him wing back with him maybe going, uh, you know, toe to toe aerial with, uh, with uh, Danny Danny Sutcliffe. Now, as it happens, he wasn't marking Danny Sutcliffe, uh 
Tom Tom Barron was marking Danny Suckley. But no, I would see I would see maybe maybe he, they were playing him there yesterday, uh, wing back, you know, kind of you know getting him into the mindset of playing kind of an, an auxiliary kind of wing forward. He's kind of playing that role and kind of getting him into the mindset of coming back going forward. But most certainly, I, I don't I don't see uh, you know when the likes of the Burke, uh, uh, Kenny. And a couple more that uh, the stronger guys come back. I, I don't see him um, being wing back. I, I see him being pushed up and you know pushing to up to his natural wing forward position. Michael, one thing I'd like to get your opinion on, and someone we actually didn't touch on in our league preview last week, is Tipperary. They had a, a pretty narrow win over Leash in the end, but obviously the news last week that Porig Mars had to retire after uh, picking up a neck injury, kind of adds to the sense of you know transition uh, that Colin Bonner is facing this year in his first season in charge. Like, where do you think they're at at the moment? Like, is there a, guys coming through from those uh, underage winning teams, you know, 20 and 21 All-Irelands that they, you know, banked over the last couple of years to kind of add to that experienced core, some of whom are still there? There's plenty of guys coming through. Um, they obviously won the 21 in 2018, uh, kind of against the grain, and they won the 29 fairly comprehensively, or in 2019, they won the under 20 fairly comprehensively. But if you look at it, uh, over the last three years under Liam Sheedy, he generally went with the older heads and a lot of those younger players like Ger Brown was the under 21 player of the year I think in 2018 he wasn't on the squad last year um, Mark Kyo is another one of those guys played you know sporadically maybe throughout that time um, Jake Morris played a bit as well but uh, you know a lot of them are going to be parachuted in now you would have maybe thought over the last two years in particular that they would have maybe got more league time Paddy Cadell's another one more league time more championship time and they'd be ready to step up as the leaders of the team now I don't think that process will happen maybe as naturally as people in tip would like um, but they're definitely going to have to step up during the league they're going to get a lot of time um, going to get an awful lot of time you know Paddy Matter's absence from the dressing room is going to be huge him and, and Brendan Matter in particular retiring or in, in recent enough months that's going to be a big void from the dressing room there's going to be opportunities there for guys to stand up, but it does look like a bit of a, a bit of a rebuilding job. They have the, the good thing for them is that they have the raw materials. Maybe unlike some other counties that have had to rebuild in recent years, they definitely have the raw materials to work with. But I think it's going to take time. I think Colin Bonner would probably be um, privately happy that they're in Group One B and will you know not be coming up against Limericks or Gal- or Galways and will actually give these chance. Not that's not to say that Waterford, Dublin, Kilkenny aren't strong. But it's definitely the weaker of the two groups and it will give them a chance to experiment a bit more with regards to the summer. But I, I do think they're down the pecking order a bit at the moment. And Leash really put it up to them the other night. If Paddy Purcell hadn't been sent off, um, I think they would have been even closer because they were the ones probably finishing a bit stronger than Tip the other night. Yeah, John, like for you, are Tipperary still All-Ireland contenders? Or as Michael said, is, is, is Colin Bonner really in charge of a rebuilding year more so than maybe targeting an All-Ireland title? Oh, look, look, on any given day, look, they're a traditional county. They're like Kilkenny, they're like Cork. On any given day, I think they can they can possibly beat anyone. Look, there's still some terrific horrors. I mean, they're talking Jason, Jason Flynn, Noel McGrath, John McGrath. You know, Will Will Bubbles come back? I think he's coming coming back from injury. I'd say possibly, uh, you know, Callan probably might play a, an impact role this year. Jake Morris. I mean, those names are just rolling off 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 the my um, my tongue. I think one one lad. Who's, uh, it's going to be a big loss for him. I was, I was excited by him in the club championship. Was uh, was young Connolly playing for a lot more Castellani? I thought he was excellent. From what I can gather, he's going away traveling. He would have would have been a perfect fit for for that Tipperary midfield. But 
look, there's no 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 doubt about it. There is a bit of a rebuild there. Uh, you know, losing losing Paddy Mar. I mean, God, what a what a player. What what a player. I mean, you talk players. You're talking Tommy Welches. You're talking Sean Overhalpines, Brian Wheelands. He's right up there, and it's very touched on it. He's going to be a massive loss out of that dressing room. You know, himself and Brendan Maher, possibly the, possibly two of the, two of the greatest Tipperary players of all time. They're two big losses, but I think this weekend's fixture, it'll, it'll, uh, I think Colin Bonner will find out an awful lot more, uh, you know, when the, the old enemy comes to come to town, uh, Kilkenny. So I think it's it's going to be a learning, learning curve throughout the league. As we said, touched on it last week, trying to honour a few more players, trying to mould the team together. And I think, you know, come the championship, I still think they're going to be a match for anyone. You, you can never rule them out, no. Just on that, Will, as well, you have to remember as well, but I've probably talked them down a bit. They were the only team to put it up to Limerick last year and had Limerick totally on the ropes and were 10 up at half time. And the five points they were beaten by was the closest anyone got to Limerick in last year's championship. So, you know, on a given day, as John says, they do have, they do have the talent, but there's a, there's, probably, there's a lot of kind of change going to have to happen and maybe the process maybe hasn't been as natural maybe as some people in Tipperary would have liked. They probably would have liked some of the younger guys to be blooded a bit sooner. Yeah, and Michael, what about, you know, Henry Shefflin's league debut as Galway manager against your own county, Offaly, winning, you know, pretty comfortably in the end. I think Michael Fenley was stressing the positives afterwards. Um, but, you know, what, what did you make of that? Obviously, for, you know, big step up for Offaly. Uh, this was very, very, very comprehensive from Galway. Um just from chatting a few people that were at the game, obviously I saw the highlights last night, but they could they could have had eight to ten goals. That was just the, that was the way the game was. They were, they were like if you look at Gerard McInerney's goal, he picked up the ball in his own forty five, I think, and he ran the whole way down the centre of the pitch. It was like the Red Sea was after opening up for him. It was uh, crazy. Um, from our from an awfully point of view, um, definitely not the start that we would have wanted, and probably shows. I know Michael Fenley was saying, and he's right to say it because it's that's it's just the way it is. You're coming from third tier of Championship. Which is the Christie Ring? Like last year, I think Offaly played. Was it uh, definitely played Sligo and Derry were two of their games in the Christie Ring Championship. And now you're going up and you're playing Galway in Pierce Stadium. Like that, that's just a massive step. It's not one or two steps up; it's three or four steps up. So they were probably always going to be under pressure a bit, but very comprehensive from Galway. Um, I think the exciting thing from a Galway point of view is if they can get Connor Whelan, Brian Concannon, uh, Evan Nyland, and this new fella, John Fleming from uh, from Milik Airport, who's been brilliant for NUAG in the Fitzgibbon and was brilliant in the Walsh Cup and was brilliant again the other day when he came in. If they can get them all clicking and attack, it's very, very exciting in the absence of Joe Canning. I still I still think, though, you go back to the Waterford game, where did they lose that Waterford game? They lost it in the middle third, their slash half-back line, midfield, half-forward line, where they just didn't have enough energy in there. They didn't have enough runner, runners. And I think for all the forwards they can have I think what's going to be key for Henry if he's going to get a kick out of this Galway team this year he's got to find runners out around that middle third no disrespect to some of the players there last year but that's where Waterford absolutely mauled them there in the, in the championship last year was out around that middle third they just didn't have enough didn't have enough legs out around her and didn't have enough energy any of the big teams will eat you if you don't have massive physicality and massive energy out there. So it'd be interesting to see whether Henry uh, will kind of, you know, will implement that. You know, he had Joe Cooney playing there yesterday and he's vice captain as well. So that would suggest he's going to be in around the middle third and you're probably going to need a lot of mobility in around him as well. But that's going to be interesting. But definitely from, from Henry's point of view, you know, definitely a kind of a, a statement win to start the league. 
Yeah, and a middle third challenge doesn't come much bigger than Limerick, and that's who they face. Uh, I think in the Gaelic grounds next Saturday night, which is probably the game of the weekend, so that'll be uh, one to watch for sure. John, the other two games over the weekend, we had Cork beating Clare pretty comprehensively on Saturday night. Kilkenny then struggling against Antrim as well. Antrim putting up a really good a good fight against them in Nolan Park. You know, anything sticking out to you about those two matches? Yeah, Cork. You know, I think we've got to keep a, a, a good eye on Cork this year. Um, it's 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 going to be interesting to see how they react after that uh, defeat in the All Ireland final last year. And you know, for me, you know, it was a perfect start from um, good way to react. Great result, everyone on the scoreboard. I think Jeremy Elric going at full full back. I think he can nail down that full back position. I still think they've got to nail down that full back position. And I think he could be the guy that could could be the man that could go in and you know finally. You know, answer all the, the, the question and marks that hang over that full back position. So I think you'll see an awful lot more of him. I think this Kieran Joyce, I mean, we've watched him over the last couple of years under 20. We touched on him last night and, and on the Sunday, Sunday League. I think he's going to be a massive, massive find for, for Cork. I think, you know, they have the luxury of you can play him now in either midfield, you can play him either centre back, you can play him wing back. So I think he's going to be a big, big find for Cork. And, you know, look, they have they have the firepower up front uh, to trouble any 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 team. And look, I think again a bit like Waterford, I think they really have a strong panel. You look at the players that that came off the bench there Saturday night. You know, proves that you know they have uh, you know twenty one, twenty two players that they can call call upon. So look, I think that was a it was a good start for Cork. Um, and I think from here on in, I think Cork should should go after the league, try and win a league title. You know, and uh, really, really push on and, and, and try and, you know, regalvanize the whole thing. And I think Cork, Cork could have a big say this year. Kilkenny, on the other hand, I think Cody highlighted after the match, he was very, very disappointed uh, in their performance against Antrim. And I think, look, the reality of it is in Kilkenny that, you know, they don't have, you know, the caliber of, of, of players that they, that they won't have. And when you take the list of TJ Reid, the Adrian Mullins, uh, the Owen Cody's, uh, the Dara Corcoran's, all them Ballyhay lads out of that team. You know, I think there is a tendency that they, they, they could struggle in this league campaign. And, and you know, there might be another couple of results of that where they, where they, where they may struggle. Well, it's great that the Alliance Hurling League's back up and running and there's going to be plenty to look forward to over the next few weeks. But for now, John, Michael, thanks so much for joining me. Cheers, man. That's all we have time from the throne this week in association with Allianz. We'll be back next week to reflect on all the league action. And in the meantime, you can subscribe to us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or listen on independent.ie. So until next time, thanks for listening and goodbye. It's 30 years of Allianz supporting the leagues, and we're not done yet. Only the leagues, only the Allianz leagues.